Wasn't that adorable? I love that video. Uh, thanks, uh, Matt and, and Emily and Laura and everybody who put that together. That was such a brilliant bit of Christmas having in our service this morning. And I love it because, do you know what? I do love, as, as we've already said before, I, I do love Christmas nativities, especially when they go wrong. That's when I love the nativities, the, 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 the complete uh, delightful combination of cuteness and chaos happening either at the school or happening uh, on the church service around Christmas time. Uh, the cute out of time out of tune singing or the toddler I love it when you see that toddler that lone toddler just wandering aimlessly across the stage not really got a clue what's going on and, and, and just disrupting everything that's going on that adorable angel in the corner crying her eyes out or um, Mary desperately trying to hold Joseph's hand and Joseph looking at Mary like she's made out of kryptonite and doesn't want to go anywhere near her or baby Jesus suddenly appearing in the arms of Mary and I was there in one, one nativity and suddenly in the crowd one, one of the one of the kids in the crowd says that's my baby uh, I don't know it. Or the sheep. I, 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 loved it. I love it when you get the sheep who doesn't want to be a sheep. And so is stood up talking to the wise men, uh, completely changing what's going on. Or for those revived members, I will always remember that nativity on one of our services with the two shepherds fighting on the front row of the platform as the nativity carries on all around it. It may warm, it may be a bit naughty, it may be you want, maybe I'm a bit evil, I don't know, but it really does warm my cockles to see young people on that stage and it just all falling apart into mayhem. Unfortunately, we seem to have missed that this year, but don't worry, we'll be back next year. I'm sure we'll see some next year. But although I love these nativities and I love that combination and we're not really too bothered if they get it right or wrong, it's, it's just about how adorable the kids are. Um, it is very easy for us to lose some of the truth about the characters and what was going on at that first Christmas through the lens of nostalgia and tradition. So what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, I want to look at some of the, the reality of what was happening on that first Christmas. Take away some of the tradition, take away some of the nostalgia, and hopefully I'll be showing you some of the incredible truths and promises that are for you and from me from that very first Christmas. So I want to start with the shepherds. Now immediately my mind goes back to that toddler with the, with the, uh, the, the dishcloth, was it? No, hand towel, tea towel over their head, a picture of cuteness. Or for those who are a bit more spiritual, maybe your, your attention goes back to people like Moses or King David, you know, really important heroes of, of the Bible who were shepherds. But the reality when Jesus was born wasn't this misty-eyed romance about shepherds. In fact, the reputation of shepherds at this time was very low. Um, it was a hard job. It was a lonely job. It was a tough job. It was a job which was full of danger as bandits would often raid the sheep. You could very easily be killed or injured being a shepherd. Um, 
I, I, in my childhood, I used to watch Westerns. You want to think of these shepherds as the cowboys of the Middle East. I, I, as in, they're a bit rough, they're a bit tough, they're, they're a, they maybe end up in fisticuffs, but maybe there's a little gem in them. I, I don't know. But it's very easy to, to, to look at what the Jewish people uh, thought about uh, the shepherds at this time because we've got so many writings. And I've got a, a, a quote from a second century Jewish commentary written about Psalm 23. You know Psalm um, uh, 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want that beautiful psalm. And in a commentary written about that psalm in the second century, this is what is written. There is no more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. I'm thinking, what, not even a prostitute, not even anything else. A shepherd is the worst thing you could ever be. Even Jesus says something interesting. He says, I am the good shepherd. I'm not like the disreputable hired men who normally look after your sheep. I am the good one, not inferring that the others are, are bad. These shepherds were known for being thieves, for being scoundrels. And the priests even said they weren't allowed in the temple. They weren't allowed. They were, they were banned as being spiritually unclean for, for their lifetime. So the sheep that they were raising could go into the temple to be sacrificed, but the shepherds who actually raised these sheep weren't allowed in the door. So we have a slightly different picture of these shepherds. They are the low life of society, uh, restricted from so much, unable to go to church, outcasts of their society. So I want you to imagine with me a very different night on the hills around Bethlehem 2000 years ago. Sat round a fire are a group of tough scoundrels, smelly, dirty, Icy cans of lager on, on uh, you know, empty cans of lager at the feet. Now, I know they didn't drink that at that time. I'm just, I'm just playing with it to, to, to get the right thinking in my mind. I can smell the sweet smell of, well, we call it tobacco. Sweet smell of tobacco filling and filling the air as they're around the campfire. At the airways full of gossip, of, of dirty language as, as top, uh, top shelf magazines get passed and the jesting happening in this scene. Into this field with these people, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds, these hard, tough guys, were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will re recognize him by this miraculous sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared. Oh, sorry, they said, yeah, that's right. Then once a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God singing, glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. 
when the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. So catch this, on the night that Jesus is born, the host of heaven, the angels turn up to announce that the king of the whole earth, the son of God, Jesus, the light of the world has come to earth. They don't announce it in Bethlehem. They don't announce it in the church or, or the temples or the synagogues at the time. They don't announce it to the, to the authorities. They don't announce it to the holy people. It is announced to a group of scoundrels outside the city, outcasts, that the amazing story of Christmas, that God coming to earth, that heaven is at peace with you and goodwill to all men is coming from coming now, this Christmas time, and it's given to these guys. Incredible. Why did, why did the angels say, we come in peace, goodwill to all men? Well, let's just think about it. Some of us in this, in this world have been, at a, maybe an argument, maybe you could say at, at war with heaven, at war with God. How could you let this happen? How could you let that happen? I'm not gonna live that way, I'm gonna live this way. Some of us, hate God before we even knew him. Some of us don't even like listening about God. And yet, with this struggle between heaven and earth, at Christmas time, God announces through his heavenly hosts, peace to the earth. We come in peace. We come with goodwill. We come with a hope to all people. What an amazing story that is, that Jesus came to give peace to this earth, to stop the fighting between man and God. I'll get back to what that means in a bit. But as we read through the gospels, through the biblical account, we learn that this Jesus is labeled a friend of sinners. That outcasts of society loved him. They flocked towards him. You see, this Jesus, born in Bethlehem, is the champion for the outcast, for the rejected. He is also the champion of the sinner, of the wicked one, of the evil one. Jesus said this, I have not come for those who are righteous. I have come for those who know they are sinners and are ready to repent. What an incredible story that is and quite opposite to what we normally think. We could, I could talk this morning about the wise men. We, we see them as rich, maybe as privileged, having a, you know, a courtier with, with Herod the king, and yet they were foreigners in this land. The Jewish people would have called them dogs. They were outcasts. They wouldn't have been able to get into the temple. They wouldn't have been able to get into the church services. And yet, God saw fit to put a light in the heavens to guide these strangers, these people not of, of Jewish descent, to guide them into the Holy Land to meet the light of the world, Jesus. The message of Christmas, 
of peace to all people, of a hope in God is not just for those who attend church. It is not just for those who are of the right uh, societal strata in, 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 in this country. Jesus, the light of the world, came for those who feel like they are, they don't belong, who don't fit into society. It doesn't matter what your, your ethnicity, it doesn't matter what your background, it actually doesn't even matter what if you're religious or not religious. If you're an atheist, if you're agnostic, if you follow some other kind of religion, the angel said this, this good news is for everyone. No matter what your background, no matter what you came from, no matter what other people think of you. But let's look at Mary and Joseph for a little bit. Now we have that lovely uh, Christmas uh, carol, little donkey, little donkey. Let me just have a drink. On a dusty road and this, this magical picture of Mary and Joseph coming to Bethlehem because there's a census so they have to go heavily pregnant Mary just about to give birth and as they come to Bethlehem as the nativities tell us and the summer counts tell us they knock on the door of the inn to find that there's no room. Well that is a bit of a tradition it's a bit like the tradition like there was three wise men we don't we don't know there was three wise men we just know there was three gifts and there was these wise men and we don't know if they knocked on the door of an inn, because the actual biblical text, I know it's sometimes translated like that, but it isn't, doesn't actually contain inn. It says the guest room or the guest quarters. So if we apply what, what a lot of modern scholars have done and, and look at the history at that time, what did this actually mean? Mary and Joseph are returning to Bethlehem to the family home for a census. They would have normally stayed in the family home. Now the homes at this time were that they were built on, on levels and then the bottom level underneath the living uh, quarters there was where they kept the animals where they would keep a, a feeding trough a manger or, or whatever else where, where the livestock were so this is possibly a more well I'm going to take it like you don't have to believe me or not but this is possibly what happened that very first Christmas Mary and Joseph have had their long journey, their, their arduous journey from, from Nazareth. They are tired, especially Mary. Imagine walking all that way, heavily pregnant. Well, I can't even imagine walking anywhere pregnant because I've never been pregnant, but women amongst you, maybe, maybe you, can, you can educate us men. Anyway, walking all that way, tired, just wanting to, 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 to lie down. And as they knock on the doors, they knock on the in-laws for, for Mary. The door opens and they look out and they see Mary and Joseph dishevelled after their long journey and then they see they go and they see Mary's bump her pregnancy the pregnancy of shame now I, I don't know about you I, I've already given you a confession but I love nativities when I go wrong I'm going to give you another little confession when I used to go to the gym during the day I used to watch Jeremy Kyle. Oh no, <laughs> I can see the reaction. Uh, yeah, I don't watch it anymore and, and, and I wish I had and, and all that kind of things and I'm, I'm glad it, it's, it's cancelled now. But Jeremy Kyle, but what I remember is this, they would have uh, DNA tests for babies, wouldn't they? And, uh, and, and the DNA test will come back and the mum will go, but I've never, I've, I've only been with him, it's got to be him. And then, the, and then the pregnancy test comes back and it, it isn't the guy who's the father, isn't the father. And the scandal around it and, and, the, and the crowd, the scorn of the crowd, which turn on the, these people on this programme. And, 
and, and, and Jeremy Carley is going, oh, it's another immaculate conception. The scandal and the, and the culture at our time is so much against a story like Mary happening. But can you imagine 2,000 years ago in the culture that they were, the scandal that would have been around Mary for getting uh, pregnant out of wedlock and even claiming, I've, I've never known a man, it was an angel. Can you even imagine the scorn of her peers? An angel? Come on, Mary. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the, so the in-laws see this discredited couple in front of them. And they, they, they decide, in our house, wow, she's, she's, this baby is going to be due any time. And then for whatever reason, maybe they just really were full. Maybe they didn't really want the disgraced Mary and Joseph in their house. Maybe they just didn't want a baby being born because... Let's be honest, the baby being born in a house is, would cause a lot of disruption. Whatever the reason is, they're told that they can lodge in the, with the animals underneath the house. Why am I bringing this up? We are, we are in a weird year. And for many of us, we're facing a Christmas which isn't like the Christmas we've had in, in years gone by. Now I know that the government have said that, that we can have you know, up to three households meeting over this period, but I know that there will still be some of us who will spend this Christmas alone. Maybe it's because of health reasons. Maybe it's because you're the fourth household in your, in your social bubble and, uh, and you've just been left out from your family or your, or your friendship gathering and you're all on your own for Christmas. Or maybe you don't even have those friends and you've always been on your own for Christmas. Or maybe there's whatever the reason, there are many reasons why you could be alone this Christmas. I want to remind you of what happened on the very first Christmas that Jesus, the light of the world, was born to Mary and Joseph in a stable, separated from their family, downstairs, while there's a party going on upstairs. Jesus said, when he was, when he was an older man, in, in, in the Sermon of Beatitudes, he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You see, Jesus came for the misunderstood. He came for the persecuted. He came for the rejected. He came for the lonely. Whatever is affecting you today, Jesus is for you. The last thing I want to bring up about the nativity story is Jesus lying in a manger. Because Jesus lying in a manger, how can a baby lying in a manger, how can that be the good news? How can that be peace on earth? How can that baby save me? Well, it's right there. If you look closely, if you look past the tradition and nostalgia, it's right there at the very first Christmas. You'll know it. The baby is wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, if you're like me, you'll have heard swaddling clothes and, you know, well, maybe not. Maybe you're a lot more intelligent than me, a lot more learned. But I, this is something I found out only a few years ago. I used to think that swaddling clothes were just what they 
they put babies in. But at that time, they'd have in, 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 in that country, a baby is born, you put them in something called swaddling clothes. I ain't got a clue what swaddling clothes were, but it sounded nice. And, you know, we, we trot it out Christmas after Christmas. It, it must be cute. But it's in the biblical account because wrapping a baby in swaddling clothes is not normal. And what is this swaddling clothes? Well, well, Joseph, going on this journey, this long journey, will have had to have taken his burial tunic with him. What is this swaddling clothes? It is most likely it was Joseph's burial garments that is wrapped around Jesus at his birth because they had nothing else to wrap him in. Why is that significant? Well, Jesus didn't stay a baby, as we know. He grew up. He healed many, he taught, he, he, he preached, he did miracles. But then we get to the time of which we celebrate at Easter and Good Friday. And right at the end of his ministry, Jesus is there being tried for a crime he never committed. He is rejected by all and he ends up on a cross dying, though he's never done anything wrong, alone and rejected naked and in that cross we see the savior of the world you see when Jesus died on that cross he took all the things that I've ever done wrong that I needed to pay for for my, my, my debt should I say to God everything that I've ever done against, wrong against God anything that I've ever done wrong against anyone else Jesus paid the punishment for we say the word sin Jesus paid the punishment for my wrongs on that cross that day he took my shame he took my pain he took everything that was dark of me and it was put onto Jesus and he paid the price that's what it meant to say peace on earth goodwill to all men a savior is born that all the punishment that needs to come will be taken away and paid for by Jesus on that cross by God himself you see although Jesus may have hung there naked he was clothed in my shame he was clothed in my guilt he was clothed in my sin the darkness that surrounded me was put taken off me and put on him all those things which were causing me death causing taking the life away from me were taken off me and put on him so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so when you look at Jesus in the cradle he's wearing our burial clothes the clothes that meant death for me are on Jesus and rather than me wearing those clothes which take all the life out of me what has Jesus done instead he's given me a garment of joy he's given me a, a, a garment of peace where I had shame it is now on Jesus and now I am set free there is no condemnation for all of those who believe in Christ Jesus so the good news proclaimed to the shepherds 2,000 years ago on that hillside was this peace on earth goodwill to all men a savior is born in Bethlehem his name is Jesus he is the light of the world and whoever whoever puts their trust in him will be rescued